0: well good morning everyone um i just want to uh just acknowledge john and his team like there's a, a lot of people that uh, couldn't be here this morning and in the in the in the you know days leading up if you need fill-ins for your fill-ins you know it's been a, a challenge so could we just give them a, a round they've um served us well this morning um my name is damien i'm one of the uh, the elders here at uh, city reach oakton and um I think anyone who's preached a sermon before knows that you, you, never, you never entirely know how something's going to be heard. Like, you know, you know how it sounds to yourself, but you never quite know how, how people are going to hear it. And when, you, when you're preaching on a passage like this, that's uh, particularly true, um, as, as I'll sort of unpack a little bit in a moment. It's not, it's not a cheerful passage when you really, I mean, there's a lot of sort of biblical language that can kind of uh, you know, flow over us if we're not stopping and thinking, but when we unpack it, there's some, some, pretty, some pretty challenging, even depressing stuff in here. And so um, I I'm, I'm feel very just painfully aware right now that if God doesn't speak through me, then I'm just gonna speak a lot of words that will not really have much of an impact or they'll give people the wrong idea. And so I wanna pause and just commit this to God because We need him to open our hearts, open our ears, and to hear what he wants us to hear this morning. Um, Loving God, we um, we come to a a, a challenging passage in your word, and yet we know that um, your word, all your word, is inspired. It is um, has been brought by the Holy Spirit. That even though it was written thousands of years ago, it has has incredible benefit for us today, and it is your revelation of yourself. And so even in, even in a passage like this, which where we, we don't often you know, like to necessarily go to is, yep, this is, this is a passage that shows the heart of God. It does point to you, it does point to you. And so help us to, help us to hear what you want us to hear this morning. Help us to have soft hearts, um, to have open ears that we will be um, changed for the better by what we hear this morning. Um, and so God, Holy Spirit, I, just, I, I hand that over to you and I ask that, um, that you would have your way this morning. Amen. Um, We've had a bit of a break, we've been doing a series on this book of Ecclesiastes for a number of weeks, had a bit of a break over Easter, Um, we're back to it now, it's it's kind of a nice comparison, um, and I'm not not being sarcastic, I actually mean that, it's a nice comparison between the the, the sort of hope-filled message of Easter and a really seemingly hopeless almost passage that we're gonna unpack this morning. Um, it is actually a nice comparison because as, we, as we'll get to, they both do point to the same thing. Um, and the, the, the preacher, you, you'll hear me say that a lot this morning, the preacher who is the author of this book, he just identifies himself as the preacher. We think it was probably King Solomon, but you, you'll hear me t- refer to him as the preacher a lot he um he continues in his observations of of life under the sun and he's he's taken time to look at all the different things that people do and all the things they occupy themselves with um and he's in this basically this ongoing search for meaning and he actually is brutally honest he goes to some pretty dark places as he searches for meaning in in life and in humanity's existence He's um, not too afraid to be honest. Um, the good news is, I mean, I'm, I'm not a, a, um, a wedding celebrant, I'm not a, a you know, marriage celebrant, but if you're a, um, a, a young, you know, uh, engaged couple this morning, I found, I found a perfect wedding passage for you. Uh, you, don't, you don't need 1 Corinthians 13. In fact, it's even better when I paraphrase it. So This is my wedding version. Go and enjoy life with your wife, all the days of your vain life that God has given you, because that's all that your toil in life will earn you. In fact... Do your best at whatever you do, because you won't get the chance again when you're dead, and that's where you're all going anyway. (laughs) It's in the book. Um, but uh, in, in all seriousness, um, up on the screen, I've, I've actually sort of broken down this passage a bit and kind of distilled it into some, some, some statements um, so that we can just sort of make them a little bit easier to understand in, in everyday language and relevant for us. So these are, these are the, the, the points that the um, preacher, again, my paraphrases, but I think it's true to the text, the, 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 the statements that the preacher makes about life. He says, the righteous are in the hand of God He says, this is an evil, that the same event happens to all, and so why bother being righteous anyway? That's the implication. Man is full of evil, and then he dies. The living have hope, the dead do not. You're better off being a dog than being dead, and uh, dog is not, it's not the cute kind, like we're talking about dogs back then, which were um, you know, rejected, unclean scavengers. It's not a, not a nice thing to say. Uh, you take nothing with you when you die, always forgotten. Uh, next slide. So go and enjoy your life because that's as good as it's going to get. Do your best at what you do because soon you'll be dead anyway and you won't get to do much there. Time and chance will have more of an impact on your life and your death than your strength or intelligence will. And death will fall upon you suddenly. So those are those are the, the points, the truths that the preacher um, gets to in his, in his reflections here. And it's, there's not a lot of hope shining through. Um, but, but as I want to show us this morning, Passages like this are actually really, really important, and, and sometimes we read these challenging Old Testament passages, and we, we kind of have this subconscious, like, oh yeah, that's, that's yeah, part of God's Word, but it's different now, um, and that's, that's not really true anymore, and that's, that's not actually the case. This is an incomplete truth. What we're reading this morning is an incomplete truth. It's still God's word for us, and it really, it honestly, it speaks to our existence now as well in a way that we really need to pay attention to this morning, but it is an incomplete truth, and we'll get to that later on. Um, so what we, have, what we have in this passage is just a brutally honest assessment of our existence. of of life in this world. Um, And as I'll argue this morning, we we, we need that because often we're not quite honest with ourselves and we kind of get into this um, sheltered view of things. Um, And so my prayer this morning is that this passage and this morning recalibrates our view of the world and sort of sees the world and even sees ourselves in the correct light and that will help us to better understand what Jesus has actually done for us. Um, so, if we go to the next slide, my, this is my kind of like 30,000 foot view of the passage, and this is kind of the, the broad problem that the preacher paints, and he's done similarly in the chapters before this one, that, you know, life is unfair. It's not fair, it's just not. And it's, it's random, life and death, he's talking about life and death here in terms of what happens to you during your life and when your death comes. It's unfair, and it's random, and we're all going to die one day. So. That's kind of the broad picture that he paints, um, and so he he looks. He's, he's looked long and hard, and he talks about this in the preceding chapters as well. At all the injustice in the world, and the, the unfairness and the randomness of it all. Um, and he, he he in this passage, he sort of peels back the layers on our lives and takes a look at the real nitty gritty, the real um, sort of you know unfiltered, um, unpolished truth of our existence. Um, and he and he exposes that underneath all the things that we kind of busy ourselves with, which is already talked about, he sees a lot of darkness. Once once you peel back all those things that we busy ourselves with in life and look at the the real core of what our lives are, he sees a lot of darkness. He sees a lot of darkness, he sees a lot of randomness, he doesn't see a lot of order or purpose. Um, And if we go to the next slide, this. This is my main point today, I'm mostly putting this up here for myself, so I, I stick to the <laughs> Don't go off on tangents and confuse you all, but this passage for us here today in 2022 is a wake-up call to not let stuff, now that's different for all of us, we all have different things that we love to occupy our time and, and distract us from, from, you know, thoughts and feelings that we don't like, don't let stuff distract you from the reality of the world that we're in and the depths that we need to be saved from the depths that we need to be saved from. Um, and kind of like I did with the, the wedding passage before, when it comes to uh, questions about the meaning, meaning of life, like why are we here, what's the point of it all, is there any purpose, all that kind of thing. Um, Christians, non-Christians, all people from all walks of life, it all kind of makes us a bit uncomfortable, and so we like to joke about it. Um, I'm, actually, we, we, I'm actually gonna read from, uh, I'm not gonna sing because I don't have Pastor Vince's voice, but um, this is from the universe song by Monty Python. Now, don't worry, it's G-rated. You don't have to uh, cover your children's ears. Um, this, this is from the Universe song by Monty Python. Um, and this kind of gives uh, a bit insight into the way that the world um, faces those difficult questions of why we're here. We face it by laughing about it, by joking about it. So the song goes, whenever life gets you down, Mrs. Brown, and things seem hard or tough, and people are foolish, obnoxious, or daft, and you feel that you've had quite enough, Just remember that you're standing on a planet that's revolving at 900 miles an hour. It's orbiting at 19 miles a second, so it's reckoned, the Sun that is the source of all our power. Now, the Sun and you and me and all the stars that we can see are moving at a million miles a day, in the outer spiral arm at 40,000 miles an hour of a galaxy we call the Milky Way. Our galaxy itself contains 100 billion stars, it's 100,000 light years side to side. It bulges in the middle, 16,000 light years thick, but out by us, it's just 3,000 light years wide. We're 30,000 light-years from galactic central point. We go round every 200 million years, and our galaxy itself is one of millions of billions in this amazing and expanding universe. Our universe itself keeps on expanding and expanding in all of the directions it can whiz, as fast as it can go, at the speed of light, you know, 12 million miles a minute, and that's the fastest speed there is. So remember when you're feeling very small and insecure, how amazingly unlikely is your birth, and pray that there's intelligent life somewhere out in space because there ain't much down here on Earth." So. That's like a little insight into how we deal with this stuff, Christians or or not, male, female, young, old, we we get uncomfortable when we really dig deeper and like, why, what's the point? Like, what is their purpose to what we're doing? Big picture and also small picture, day by day, is there purpose to what we're doing? Like, this, this life's great, but ultimately, what's the point? Um, and and our, our society that we live in is genuinely remarkable. It is an amazing time and place to live in Adelaide in, in 2022. Um, you know, we have a society of, like, unprecedented law and order and, and, and freedom and widespread employment and, and healthcare, low crime, abundant leisure, beautiful world to explore. It is an amazing time to be alive. It's an amazing place to live. Um, and I, I take so much of it for granted that... You know, 99.9% of humanity that's lived before me haven't been able to take these sort of things for granted. Um, You know, I just expect that every fortnight I'll get, uh, you know, paid a significant amount of money for my job, and I expect that I'll never, ever run out of food because there's plenty of shops and I've got plenty of money. And I expect that I can just go to a fuel station and there'll be plenty of fuel. And I expect that I can go out into the weekend, enjoy myself, get a coffee, and, and all that sort of thing. Um, you know, the list goes on, we've all got, all got our things, you know, of, of course we can, um, you know, go and watch our sport teams whenever we want, and of course we can walk down the street safely, of course, you know, my my finances and the, the value of my house or, or my investments will increase over time, of of course we can access good healthcare and education. That's the stuff we take for granted, stuff that we expect. And one of the things that, COVID is exposed in our society, and there's more people than usual at home watching online who can attest to this, it is really exposed how addicted we are to being in control. How addicted we are to being in control on a a grand life level and also on a a more sort of focus level. Um, You know, every single person in this room, myself included, we spend most of our time thinking that we're in control of our own destiny. That's, uh, you know, if I work hard, I will have a, have a well-paying job. You know, if I look after myself, I will be healthy. If I treat people well, I will get treated well in return. If I'm a decent, moral person that goes to church and does the right things, my life will go better than for people who don't do those things. Only problem is when, when something unexpected or really unjust or unfair or completely out of our control happens, it can... Absolutely rock our world. Can absolutely knock us for six. Comes from nowhere. Um, on a personal note, I just on Tuesday went to a funeral for a friend of mine. She was um, a good friend who was she was only fifty six. And last time I saw her was late last year, and she was absolutely fine. And then um, as the year started, she she got unwell and, and deteriorated and, and passed away at um, at age fifty six. Um, and then literally that afternoon after I'd been to that funeral, I was on Facebook and uh, a friend of mine. His, Dad had been hit by a minibus after preaching a, a sermon on, on, on Easter Sunday um, is in a critical condition. Um, and of course, those, those are extreme examples, I know, but they, they jolt us out of this, um, you know, this belief that even if, we don't, even if it's a subconscious belief that we are in control of our own destiny and if I do this and I live in this way, then this is what's going to happen. But what the preacher does <laughs> in this passage is he sits back and he watches people living out their lives and he peels back all the distractions, all the illusions of control, um, all the the nice things that we like to busy ourselves with and he gives us the brutal truth that the world is ugly, that the world is ugly and humanity is ugly as well. Now, Humanity also, was made in the image of God and still retains some of that, so I'm not saying we're all pure evil or anything like that, but humanity, every human being that's ever lived, except Jesus, broken to, broken to their core, all right? Humanity and the world, broken, dark. Um, one of my favorite ever movies is The Matrix, and it's also um, a very fertile ground for preachers who need analogies. Um, and, and there's this so the basic concept of, uh, of The Matrix is um, that the main characters discover that their entire world is actually a, a make-believe world, a dream world, um, that this enemy race of machines have basically uh, trapped them in to subdue them. And they, so basically they discover that everything they've ever known was not real. Was just a basically a, a technologically advanced dream world. Um, and there's this incredible moment where one of the, you know, the good guys, one, one of the one of the humans that has woken up to this reality, decides that he's had enough and he wants to be plugged back into that to the Matrix, to the and forget everything, even though it means, you know, forgetting everything that's real and just being plugged back into a dream world that actually has no purpose. And there's this is amazing moment where um, he. He has this incredible line and he's reflecting on how um, everything in the matrix is not real and that's what he wants to go back to. And he just says this, he says, ignorance is bliss. He says, ignorance is bliss. He would rather go back to something that is not real and have no purpose than face up to a reality that is hard to face. And, And that's all of us. That's all of us to varying extents. So, you know, we, we love anything that can distract us from, from uncomfortable truths about our existence or the situations that we're in. We love those distractions. And I'm honestly here not to guilt trip anyone this morning. That's, that's honestly not what I'm here for. I'm here to remind us that even though there are wonderful things in this world that are gifts from God and we should enjoy them, as wonderful as many of those things are, we need to stay connected to the reality of the world that we're in and connected to the reality of our hearts and what they would, where they would be and where we would be without the presence of God. That this world is a deeply dark and broken place. It desperately needs redeeming, it doesn't just need improving, it needs to be redeemed and saved from the bottom up. And the preacher gives us the brutal truth that actually, regardless of whether you do good or do evil, the same event ends up happening to all, death that you take nothing with you when you die, always forgotten, that death will fall upon you suddenly and you'll take nothing with you. And so we have this depressing combination of factors where uh, he points out that fortune doesn't necessarily come to people who do the right thing. It's, it's irrespective of their, of their deeds, and we know that. There's some pretty horrible people uh, doing very, very well in life. Um, and yet, at the same time, good fortune doesn't actually uh, guarantee you happiness anyway. Often it's the opposite, and we all end up dead anyway. So it's kind of a really depressing combination of factors there. It's, it's like a, all our ideas of control and security in life are like a giant tree. The preacher just comes with his axe and starts just hacking away at it. It's pretty brutal stuff. Um, and there are so many things in my life that I'm grateful for, and I want to be very clear on this, that the message, of, the message this morning is not to stop enjoying the gifts that God gives you. That's not, that's not my point. But as I consider Solomon's words, as I consider the preacher's words, there was one word in the last few days that stood out to me. Um, when I think about all the things of this world, even the wonderful things that God gives us to enjoy in this world, that word is flimsy, flimsy so flimsy. We are, we are so blessed, we shouldn't reject the gifts that God's given us, but I feel like I need to challenge us as a church family with this. How much are we allowing earthly gifts to distract us from the reality of the world that we're living in? You know, the reality of the, of the brokenness, the injustice, the randomness, the fact that our very existence is in the palm of God. And to, you know, to use another extreme example, there's we all know about the events of the world at the moment, and various places in the world, you know, including especially Ukraine, but also various other places of the world. There are just families being ripped apart, just ripped apart. Many of many of whom they'll never see, not only will they not see justice, they'll never even have their story told. Our children die, and the world just keeps on going. And at the other end of the spectrum, you have you have dictators, you have um, bus- uh, you know uh, businessmen. Um, billionaires corrupt cruel um, not all of them are there's some I'm sure there's some lovely rich people out there but you get my point you know corrupt and cruel dictators and businessmen and billionaires out there who do everything from exploiting the needy so they can build their own little kingdom through to you know blatant killing and maiming and um, warmongering and and I don't, I don't want us to just focus on the extreme end because the preacher's looking at all of humanity and all of the world and seeing the brokenness there. And in fact, the Apostle Paul, um, many years later in, in what we call the New Testament, he actually um, reflects on the brokenness of the world and he yearns for when Jesus is going to return and make all things new. He yearns for it, he aches for it because he sees people's need for that. He sees the world's need for that. He says, all creation is groaning, waiting for redemption. So the world that you and I live in is, is just as much, even though we have this beautiful society that we're living in, we are just in much of, in, this world is just as much in need of saving as in the most cutthroat, lawless society you might read about in a history book. Now we live in a world of suffering full of human beings who are separated from God because of the rebellion in their hearts, and this is it's like an ongoing cycle of of lack of purpose and distress. And if we really comprehended how bad it was, we would be driven to despair. Um, have the next slide up, thanks. And so uh, the problem is very big. The problem is run deep. And our world is a dark place. Humanity desperately needs savings. So, what are the answers? What are the answers to these questions? Like, you know, what's the point? Why is life so unfair? Why does God allow suffering in the world? Why do the good suffer and the bad thrive? Again, everyone, Christian and non-Christian, people from all walks of life, wrestle with these types of questions. And you know what I love about God's Word? It also also frustrates me a bit, but I do love it because I know it's it's right. The Bible doesn't give us direct, straightforward, cut and dry answers to these things, it doesn't. Like the, uh, The question of why does God allow suffering in the world, it doesn't give us a neatly packaged answer that we can just whip out and show our friends when they're wondering why bad things are happening. The Bible doesn't do that, God doesn't do that. And this, this, uh, this series on Ecclesiastes is actually, um, real. it's certainly followed the Sunday school question pattern and um, Lee actually illustrated this beautifully when he asked one of these questions in the children's talk, which was wonderful, thank you. Thank you, Lee. Uh, you don't even need, those of you who've done Sunday school, you don't even need to know the question. What's the answer? Jesus, there we go, <laughs> and that's, that's what this sermon series has been, pretty much every week, it's like, all right, here's our problem, and the answer's Jesus, and if we're really honest, really honest, a few of us would admit, yeah, sometimes I roll my eyes a little bit when the preacher's up here talking, and they work up to their main point, and the main point is the answer's Jesus, we'll kind of roll our eyes a little bit, if we're honest, but it's not a cop-out, it's far from it, it's far from it. Um, you know, the, the, the preacher doesn't give us direct answers. He kind of poses the questions, mic drops, walks away. Um, and, and the answer is Jesus. And, and, and we kind of think, okay, well, yeah, that's, that's, you know, I'm used to that. It seems like an overly simplistic answer. Um, but as I'll show you now, it's actually the least simplistic and the least of a cop out answer. It's the op- whatever the opposite of a cop out is, that's what this is. Because the preacher, the preacher says, whether you love or hate, whether you're good or bad, death comes to all. And the preacher says, this life's unfair, innocent people suffer, the guilty prosper. The preacher says, death is inevitable and so final that you're better off being a living dog than being dead. And the preacher says, when you're dead you'll have nothing, whatever you build in this life is as good as it gets. The preacher says, it doesn't matter whether you're strong or wise or swift or intelligent, death is coming to you all completely without without warning. And God's word gives us something better than a straightforward answer. Okay? It gives us something better. It gives us Jesus, who doesn't simply answer the questions. He actually enters into the problem. He becomes the solution. He enters into the problem. He volunteers himself to be the solution, rather than just giving a solution. Right? He volunteers himself to be the solution. Um, you know, the preacher and Jesus, they both, from different angles, they look at these, the, sort of the crippling disease that's throughout all the world and all of humanity, um, and they both look at the problems... We know what the preacher said and reflected on, this is what Jesus did, okay? He looked at our broken condition, he looked at our broken condition and he became one of us. He saw the horrific weight of our sin that we could never do anything about, he took that weight on his own shoulders so that we might be free from it and forgiven. He heard the pain of our suffering and he entered into our suffering, experienced it himself worse than any of us ever will. And same with the injustice, he saw the injustice of the world, and he entered into that and endured the worst injustice himself. He saw the hold that death had on us, and he allowed death to take him. Then he rose again, defeated it, and broke its power over us. He saw us struggling for purpose, and he won eternal life for us. So he didn't just look at our problems, look at our struggles and give us an answer. He took those problems on himself and he defeated them. So he doesn't just speak words, he wins and he won eternal life for us. And eternal life means a couple of things. It means that death isn't final. There's something so much more glorious to look forward to, but it also means that every day in this life has purpose. Every day in this life has eternal significance. A lot of us in this room already know this, but have we stopped lately? Have we stopped lately to remind ourselves of, of just what we've been saved from? I find passages like this today really helpful because they remind me of what reality would like if Jesus hadn't saved me. I encourage you to do that, to read passages like this, and actually, as strange as it sounds, I encourage you to, tr- to sit in that moment of despair, almost, of reflecting on the reality of what it would be like to be separated from God. If Jesus had never came, what would, what would our lives mean if Jesus had never come? If Ecclesiastes 9 was the final word, read that again at home today, and imagine what it would be like if that was the final word it should depress you. Allow yourselves to be affected by that, it's a horrible thought, you know, pointless existence, pointless pointless suffering, imagine if suffering meant nothing, unfair and random, and then you die and everything's forgotten anyway. So that's what Jesus tackled head on, that's what he tackled head on and that's what he saved us from. Reading passages like this should make us despair but not stay there, not stay there, it should make us turn to Jesus in awe of what he's done for us, and in awe of what he has won for us. So when we consider the brokenness of the world, and the brokenness inside our own hearts, are we yearning for Jesus to transform us, to transform the world? You know, do, we, do we walk into this building, and, and obviously it applies to people online as well, but do, do, we, do we walk into this building every week just because that's what we do? Or do we walk in aching for God to do a work of transformation, to do a work of grace in us and the people around us? You know, I know which one of those settings is most often in my heart when I walk into this building. and I'm not proud of that. I'm just, I want to be honest there. It's so easy to go through the motions and do things out of habit. And so my prayer for City Reach Oakton this morning is that Jesus would make our heart ache. And I said a heart, not hearts, because yes there is an individual component to this, but I want to talk about us as a family. My prayer is that Jesus would make our heart as a family, a collective heart ache, as we look at the world and how lost it is. Yeah, that our heart would ache as we see the darkness in ourselves and our need for God's constant grace in our lives. That our heart would ache as we see how easily we get distracted, how pleasant it is to live in ignorance and go about our lives in our Sunday mornings in just this comfortable, secure haze. I pray that God would not let us shield ourselves from the reality of the world that we're in, and the reality of a world without Jesus, what that would be like. It's a scary thought. and It's meant to scare us. When we consider what we've been saved from, it should cause us, Ecclesiastes 9 should cause us to tremble. And finally, my prayer is that God would that the Holy Spirit would break through in joy in our hearts and what Jesus has done for us, that that reality has been defeated. It's still still in play. This world is still broken until Jesus returns and does that final redemption. But when he died on the cross, when he defeated death, when he defeated sin, when he, he won forgiveness and justification for all those who believe in him, let us rejoice in the hope that he has brought us. We were hopeless and he has brought us hope. He has brought us hope. He endured endured the worst that the world has, the worst, so that we could be saved from it. He took in our brokenness. He defeated it. He won eternal life for us, and now every day has eternal significance because of what he has done. So I'm going to invite the the band up as I pray. Um, Let's reflect on the darkness of a reality without Jesus coming. And rejoice in in, in joy and hope of being forgiven, being given hope, being given a future. Let's pray. Um, Loving God, our minds are just so incapable of understanding these things, of understanding a world without you, an existence without you. Um, As we read passages like this that we usually probably just skim over, may we reflect on them, be struck by them, and be moved by them, and just turn to you in joy, the fact that you did not leave us in that state that because of what you have done for us, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. We have been saved and you are returning one day to redeem this world. As a church, let us ache for that day and let us live our lives wanting to see transformation in our world and in the people around us. Amen.